You're listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. All right, well, good morning. Thank you guys for joining us wherever you're at, whether in your PJs, in your bathroom, in your bed, at your dining room table, in your living room, wherever you are. I just want to say thank you for joining us. Grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and I want to say a big thank you to everybody over the last couple weeks who has given. We've been able to give tens of thousands of dollars away to many different people who have been in need, who are, have lost income, lost their job. Um, maybe they've faced some sort of financial hardship. We've been able to sow into them and bless them. We've been able to give to churches. We've been able to give to businesses. And we're so thankful for so many of you who partnered with us at a time when we could want to hoard what we have we want to give that away. So thank you, Promise Church. And this morning, I really feel like the Lord has given me a word that I feel like is timely. Uh, I believe that he wants to speak to us about a, a hunger that needs to burn inside of us. I, I know that it may seem like at times that there's a lot happening in the world, but this I know that no matter what is happening in the earth today, Jesus still is more than it. He is bigger than it. He is more powerful than it, and he is still moving. And I believe that today more than ever that the Lord wants to bring a move of God upon this land. He wants to bring revival to your home, to your family, to your workplace, to this city, to our schools and businesses, that no matter what is going on, no matter how dark it may get, the light of Jesus burns brighter than darkness. And I believe that this morning that the hunger of God, the passion of God, that this, this desperation that says, God, I will do anything just to see a move of God come to this land. I believe that God's going to put that in you, that your heart's going to be stirred, that faith is going to be stirred in you today, that God is calling this land, uh, that God is calling you, that God is calling this church to become activated, to become witnesses for him to 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 share the gospel with those around you to begin to pray and intercede for a city to know him I believe that God is going to activate your heart today in a way that it may not have been activated before and in Luke chapter 8 we we hear a story that many of us has heard before but I want to investigate this a little bit with you and look at what Jesus is saying in this passage and in verse 43 it says this it says a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. And immediately the bleeding stopped. I got to tell you that I don't know what your experience has been with Jesus, but Jesus is still healing today. That if you're encountering pain in your body, if you've got things going on in your mind or in your emotions, you're, you've maybe got a report from the doctor. I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus still heals. The same, the same blood that was spilled on that cross 2,000 years ago and won victory for us that defeated death, that defeated sin, that defeated disease and ailments is the same victory that we have today. And I want to encourage you that if you're sick, if you're in pain, I believe that the Lord is going to touch you right now, even as I'm speaking, that you're going to encounter the power of God in your life and it is going to change you. Verse 45, Jesus asks, he says, who touched me. Jesus says, who touched me? And everyone around denied it. But Peter said, master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me. Notice that word, deliberately. Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. 
The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she'd been immediately healed. Daughter, Jesus said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So here's this woman. There's many people surrounding Jesus all trying to get to him, but only one person presses through the crowd, touches Jesus, and gets his attention. Just as Luke, as he was closing worship, brought up a similar story, similar story that desperation inside of her caused Jesus to stop in his tracks and notice her. Write this down for me. The random will sometimes see relief, but the deliberate will see a demonstration of power. The random will sometimes see relief, but the deliberate, the desperate, will see a demonstration of power. I believe that the Lord wants to begin to remove the random out of our lives. We just randomly pursue Jesus just when it's convenient, just when we're hopeless. You ever see somebody who, like, comes up to church one time up to the front, and they've got tears all over, and they're, they're snot everywhere, and then they're, they're, de- they're crying, and they're desperate for Jesus to do something in their lives, and then you never see him again? Right? We had those random moments oftentimes in our life where we're desperate for him, but Jesus is looking to fall upon a people who are consistently in pursuit of him, consistently passionate of him, where the hunger draws them into an encounter with him because they must get his attention. Now, my wife and I, we've been married for, we just celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary in October. She stuck with me for 10 years. Hallelujah. And um, I remember still the first time that I laid eyes on her. I was actually here on this stage. I was playing the drums during worship. I was 16 years old, less facial hair, voice was barely dropping at that point. And I remember playing during worship, and I knew that she was coming that Sunday. I'd heard about her, and uh, I knew she was one of nine children. So I see during worship, they were late which was for, I was praying for them. They were late. It was okay. They came in during worship, and they all filed in, and there was Tasha, my wife, who was singing this morning up here in this long black trench coat, mafia style. She walks in, and I thought she was the mom. I thought she was the mom of all these kids because how sophisticated she looked, and so I was going to go try to hit on her sister. Well, come to find out her sister was much younger who I was trying to hit, but then I met Tasha, I met my wife, and something changed me that day. Now, she was 20, which is part of the reason why she looked so much older. I was 16. So by the time I finally got legal, I wasn't illegal anymore for her her not to be in a relationship. Then we started hanging out. There was something that changed in my heart where there wasn't a random pursuit of her. Something in me was like, I don't just want to talk to this girl every once in a while. I want to talk to her all day long. All the time, I remember there was something in me that was like, I want to just talk to her in the morning when I wake up, and then I want to talk to her during the afternoon, and then I want to talk to her in the evening. And I was one of those people, we were one of those couples where we would just like lay in bed at night, and I'd rest the phone. Y'all remember the flip phones? And you just lay on your pillow, and it like perfectly sunk in, and you could just talk until you fell asleep. Like she would fall asleep during our conversation, and be like, hey, hey, I, I, I put her to sleep. It's okay, I put her to sleep. And there was a deliberateness to my pursuit of her. There was nothing random about it. Now, maybe some of you have had like a a childhood friend that you used to know a long time ago. For me, when I was growing up, there was a friend that I had, his name was Gabe, and we were best friends. His older brother was my brother's best friend, and he was my age. We did everything together. Like, we went over to each other's house, we did sleepovers, like everything. We were best, best friends. And 
I moved away when I was in about seventh, sixth, seventh grade. And I remember at that time, I moved like 30 miles away. We didn't really talk that much, but every couple, maybe twice or three times a year, we'd get together, and it, it was fun. We, we like felt like we were the same old friends that we were before, and then a few years would go by, and we got together a little bit less, and then after a while, we only started maybe talking on the phone every once in a while, and, and then... Then like a couple years went by and I didn't see him at all and then he randomly showed up to one of my birthday parties and it was cool but it was kind of awkward. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you like see somebody from high school and it's been like 20 years and you're like, hey, I don't know you but it's nice to see you again. Like that's kind of how it felt and there was a randomness to that relationship where there was no, no connection. There was nothing that made me want to necessarily be around him because it was so random. There was so much gap in between every time I was with him that I never actually grew in relationship with him. And that contrast between my pursuit of my wife with an intensity and the pursuit of my childhood friend that became random depicts many people when it comes to their relationship with the Lord, how we can be so uh, focused and those people who are so intentional find an encounter with Jesus. Those people who create just a randomness whenever they feel like it. Yeah, they might attend church. Yeah, we're still friends. Yeah, we still, I still think about them every once in a while, but I don't hang out. We aren't together. And there was something about this woman who in the midst of everything going on, in the midst of the chaos around her, she had this deliberateness to her approach to Jesus, much like mine to my wife, where she said, I will not let anything stop me from growing in relationship with her. I will not let anything stop me from touching the edge of Jesus' garment. There was a deliberateness, and that deliberateness caused Jesus to stop in his tracks and recognize her. See, this woman had suffered for 12 years from hemorrhaging. She had spent all of her money to try to figure out how to stop it. She'd met with doctors, physicians. Nothing seemed to work. She'd probably gone to her, her leaders in the church trying to figure out what's going on. How do I get over this issue? She could not figure it out. At that time, it's believed that she had to live outside of the city. She was also categorized as unclean, which means if she were to touch somebody, she would be making them unclean, which means if that, if she did that, knowingly she could be killed so here she is feeling completely ostracized from society she's been labeled because of her issues maybe some of you can relate to her she had a feeling of hopelessness a feeling like no one understood her she was misunderstood she probably had despair there was probably very little faith in her heart that anything could ever change this was her lot in life it was always going to be this way maybe you've you've been feeling similarly where this is just the way my life is always going to be. I'm always going to be in poverty, or I'm always going to have this anger issue. I'm always going to have this lust, or I'm always going to keep feeling depressed and have anxiety. Maybe you're struggling with similar things in your life, or maybe you're just feeling misunderstood. Just like this woman. No one probably thought of her. No one cared about her. Maybe you feel alone and isolated, much like her having to live on the outskirts of town. And she had to make a decision in that moment. It was a life-changing decision because if she went to Jesus and she didn't get healed, she would probably have gotten killed for making other people become unclean. Or she could stay where she was at and probably just continue to have a, a bleeding issue, probably just continue in the same way she's always been and have nothing changed. But possibly this Jesus, who she had heard about, who she had heard had done these signs and wonders, maybe she could be healed by him. 
And so she had to make this decision of whether to take that leap of faith to say, Jesus, I'm going to actually press through the crowd. That desperation inside of her still had to press through those things, trying to prevent her from encountering Jesus. She still had to press through and fight her way. She came up behind Jesus and just touched the edge of his garment. And I know, because from personal experiences, I'm sure many of you have experienced, that oftentimes that desperation inside of us feels resistance from things around us. It's easy for things to kind of get in our way between us and Jesus. Well, we've got to make the decision. Will we press through or will we just stay comfortable? Will we press through for an encounter with Jesus or will we stay where it's convenient? And I don't know what causes you to feel resistance. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's feeling exhausted, like you just don't have time to really go after Jesus. Like it sounds great, but I just don't really have time to be able to do this. And really over these past couple weeks, we've been isolated to our homes. We should have more time to be able to do that. But maybe for you, it didn't change anything. Maybe it's still the same. Maybe it's just as difficult for you to to take longer than 15 minutes to just sit there and be with Jesus. Maybe for you, let me lift off a couple of other examples. Maybe there's just stress going on in your life. You're burdened down. You're weary. I don't know if I can continue to press through. Maybe you're there in the home environment that you're in. It causes you to feel awkward. Somebody you live with or is in your house doesn't have the same love for Jesus that you do, doesn't have the same desperation as you do. And in your mind, you're thinking, well, if I do this, what are they going to think about me? If I do this, this is going to be awkward. I don't want them to to feel this. And you start going through all these cycles of thoughts and emotions. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, well, that's just not who I am. I'm just not a desperate person. I'm just not, you know, an intense person. Like you guys are all up here dancing to worship, that's, that's just not my style. What I can tell you is this, when you get desperate, you could care less about style and personality. All you want is Jesus. All you desire is just to be with him and nothing will stand in your way. Notice this woman did not cry out, she did not scream, she did not dance or jump around. She was hungry enough to see Jesus. It's not just about making loud noise or screaming at the top of your lungs. It's will you press through whatever resistance is in your way. Maybe you're there and you're saying, well, Past experiences caused me to not want to do it. I've tried it before, and it didn't work. I I tried to ask God to do something in my life, and nothing changed. Maybe you've been ridiculed before. Maybe you got desperate, and people started to make fun of you. It reminds me of the two men, right? The two men who cried out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody around them told them to be quiet, yet they cried out all the louder, Son of David, have mercy on me on me and then Jesus stopped and he healed them sometimes there may be people who tried to tell you to be quiet tell you to go slower it's just going to fizzle out don't get crazy don't get too passionate but Jesus is looking for people who won't be who won't be restricted by other people around them but will simply say Jesus I just want you I'm hungry enough to run after you no matter what happens maybe you're here today and you're or you're not here if you were here we'd have an issue you're at your house. Maybe you're at your house in your bed right now or on the toilet. Let's not think about that. Hopefully no one is on their toilet watching right now. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. In Mark chapter 5, verse 26, it said, She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Maybe you've tried things. You've tried having your leaders help you. You've tried going to the physicians. You've tried going to your pastors and they've let you down. You've become disappointed. You've become discouraged and you're wondering, is this ever going to change? I'm telling you today that if that's how you feel, if you feel like the church has let you down, Jesus will never let you down. Jesus will never leave you nor will he forsake you. And if you're here today 
you're not here. If you're watching today, somebody help me, I've had quarantine brain. If you're watching today and you're saying, I feel that way like that woman. I don't know if there's any hope. I'm telling you, Jesus is here for you. He's with you right now. You can feel his presence as we worship. His presence is right next to you. All you have to do is reach out and grab it. Here's this woman. She presses through the crowd. She gets through the crowd and she reaches out and she grabs on to Jesus. Many of us, we're so close. We've got to reach out and grab. Says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I believe that the presence of God is with you right now. He is with you. He understands what's going on. He loves you. He's desperate to be in relationship with you. All you have to do is reach out and grab it. Reach out and grab it. There were so many people gathered around Jesus at that time. So many people touching him, yelling his name. So many people lifting their hands. So many people singing the great worship song. So many people reading the Bible. So many people watching right now. But only one person got the attention of Jesus. Why was that? Because she was deliberate. There was something in her that would not relent. There was something in her that was desperate enough to say, I'm going to risk my life for this. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care if I'm misunderstood. I must have you. I must get a touch from Jesus. And I believe that the Lord wants to put that desperation in your heart. He wants to put that hunger in your heart that won't relent, that will you'll find yourself hours on your knees with Jesus interceding for your city. I believe that some of you are going to begin to find yourself just beginning to worship Jesus and not wanting to stop in your own, on, in your bedroom. Some of you are in a place much like this woman where you feel restricted. You've tried to find freedom from things in your life, and it's time to press through the hindrances and find freedom. The freedom is available for you today, and his name is Jesus. So here, here we have Jesus, he, he stops and he says, somebody touches me, somebody touched me. And Peter is like, bro, there's a lot of people that's, that are touching you right now. What do you mean somebody touched you? All these people around, he said, no, somebody touched me and I felt power leave from me. Isn't it amazing? You have all those people around Jesus touching him, but only one person got an encounter with him. Write this down, proximity does not equal intimacy. Proximity does not equal intimacy. You can be around Jesus. You can be in a church service. You can be watching online and still not feel the Holy Spirit. You can be in a church service and raising your hands and not be singing to Jesus. Proximity does not equal intimacy. I remember for myself, back when I was a late teenager, I was in a worship service, and somebody was worshiping next to me, and they encountered the Lord, fell down into the power of the Holy Spirit, began just to, like, have this radical moment with Jesus. I'm singing the same song. My hands are lifted just like theirs, and I got nothing. It was frustrating. And I looked, at, I looked at her encountering Jesus, and I'm thinking to myself, what did I do wrong? Why did she encounter Jesus, and why didn't I? And the Lord began to convict me. He said, Aaron, because you come in to a worship service, you come into time with me so casually, so randomly. It's just something you're doing. She understood who she was talking to. She was coming to worship the king. You were coming just to sing songs. And there was something that marked me in that moment that said, never again will I come in to a time with Jesus. Whether it's in my, in my living room, on my knees, whether it's in my bedroom, whether it's here at church, wherever it may be, I will never come into a time with Jesus without an expectation that, God, I must encounter you. I never want to let my hunger subside to a place where it becomes casual and random and just a routine. But I want it to be that fresh fire in me. It's a God, if I don't meet with you, it means nothing. I come to 
to church just to be with Jesus. I read my Bible just to be with Jesus. I must have you, that desperation for Jesus. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 16, it says, Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. You can be in the midst of a bunch of people encountering Jesus and not even know it. Maybe where you're at right now, I'm, I'm talking about these things, and it doesn't even make sense to you that Jesus can be, be transmitting through a screen, and you can still not feel it. Maybe you've been in church for 50 years and still not feel the power of God. Luke chapter 13, verse 24, says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. It is a narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, Open the door for us, but he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. Away from me, all you evil doers. Here's a picture of people standing at the judgment seat of Christ. And they say, Jesus, we ate with you. We drank with you. You taught in our streets. You, you were preached about in our church. You were preached about and I watched it on my phone or my TV. We were there all around. You had the proximity, proximity to Jesus, but no intimacy. And I believe that Jesus wants to show you the difference this morning, that you can be all around him and not know him. There was something that this woman possessed, this deliberateness with the Lord, that said, I will not relent until I have an encounter. I will not stop until I find my healing. And I believe the Lord wants to do that in you. And this, this thing that I feel like need, that God wants to impregnate us as believers, as followers of Jesus, is to become desperate for a move of God to come to our families, move of God to come to our city and our region, to not, to not say, well, that just happened a long time ago, or that's what's going to happen in some other place. But I believe that God wants to do that here. Here. And he's looking for people like you and like me to say, God, I won't relent until I see revival come to my region. I won't relent until I see revival come to my city. This is what the church was like when it started. Leonard Ravenhill says this quote. He says this quote. He says, the church started with revival. Let us not end with ritual. The church started with revival and acts it started with revival. Let us not end today in randomness, in routine, in religious experiences, but let us come with this expectation. No matter whether you're in your living room, no matter whether you're in your, your secret place with the Lord or here at church, let us come with this expectation. Say, God, you are all we want. We come here to encounter you. God, come every day that I wake up. I say, God, Come and move across my region. I begin to intercede over my cities. I begin to intercede for my church. I begin to intercede for my family to say, God, I want them to know you. I want them to encounter you. And I won't stop until I see it. I won't stop until God comes. Some of us, I feel like we need to be reminded the way that the church started. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 15, there's all these different moments that we hear about. But I want to show you the progression about how God moved when the church started. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole earth where they were sitting. Tongues of fire rested on their heads. They began to speak in other tongues. It says that everybody who heard the sound rushed to where they were at. And 3,000 people, 3,000 people got saved in one day. In Acts chapter 3, a lime beggar began, was, was healed and signs and wonders began to happen. In Acts chapter 4 verse 31, Peter and John were released from prison. They gathered together with all the believers. They went into another place 
and they begin to pray. And it says that place was shaken. Imagine a building being shaken because the power of God, the glory of God begins to fill that place. And they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit and with boldness. I gotta tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't wanna just fill you one time. He wants to fill you again and again and again and again. And if you're watching today and you've said, well, I've, I've received the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you that there's more. There's more than He wants to give you. In Acts chapter five, verse 12, Peter's shadow begins to heal people. Peter's shadow is beginning to heal people. They would line people out on the streets they, in anticipation that as Peter walked by, his shadow might touch them so that they could be healed. Imagine that for a moment. His shadow was healing people. Acts chapter 5, verse 17, the apostles, they were arrested, but then an angel freed them, and they went right back to preaching. Then they were arrested and flogged. After they were flogged, they began to rejoice in their suffering and went right back to preaching again. There was resistance all around them, yet they did not stop them. In Acts chapter 6 through 7, we hear about Stephen and his, vo his face shone like an angel. And as they were stoning him for preaching the gospel of Jesus, he looked up and saw Jesus in heaven and asked Jesus to forgive the very men who were throwing rocks at him. His face shone like an angel. In Acts chapter 8, Philip sees many delivered and healed in Samaria, and it says that there was a great joy in all of the city. Imagine that, a great joy in all of Woodland. Imagine if that happened in your city, in this city. In Acts chapter 8, verse 14, it says, Peter and John came to Samaria, and when they laid their hands on the believers, they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, Philip meets with an Ethiopian and baptizes him. All of a sudden, after he baptizes him, Philip vanishes from their sight. Imagine that. He literally vanishes, and God teleports him to another location. I mean, this is crazy. This is where the early church began. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1, Saul is on the road to Damascus. He encounters Jesus. This guy was essentially a terrorist. Encounters Jesus, becomes blind. A man comes to him and begins to pray for Saul. Scales fall off of his eyes, and the very man who was trying to destroy the church gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, verse 32, Peter heals Aeneas, who was paralyzed for eight years. And because of this, all, come on, wherever you're at today, just begin to say all. Say all with me. All who lived in two towns saw him and turned to Jesus. All in two cities turned to Jesus. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Peter raises Tabitha from the dead, and many people believed in Joppa because of this. Acts chapter 10, verse 3. Cornelius has a dream. In verse 10, Peter has a trance. And then in verse 23, Peter preaches to Cornelius and his family. And as he's preaching, the Holy Spirit comes upon all of them. Come on, let this stir your spirit. Acts chapter 12, an angel walks with Peter out of a prison. The doors open by themselves, and then an angel disappears. So then Peter goes and knocks on the door. The very believers who are praying that he would be set free, he knocks on the door. A servant girl answers the door. Or she doesn't answer the door. She just hears Peter through it, runs back, forgets to open the door, tells the other believers who are praying, and says, Peter's at the door. They don't believe her. In fact, they tell her that it's not Peter. They think it's an angel. Think about it. They had more faith that it was an angel at the door, then it was Peter. Shows you how, how regularly they saw angels at that time. Acts chapter 13, almost an entire city, in verse 44, gathered to hear the word of God. An entire city, almost an entire city. Acts 14, verse 3, Paul and Barnabas performed many signs and wonders. Acts chapter 14, verse 9, 
Paul heals a lame man from birth. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. Paul, he was stoned. Then he was dragged out of the city. He was dragged out of the city because they thought he was dead. Then the other believers gathered around him, and all of a sudden, he stood up and walked back into the city. Just like nothing happened. This is how the early church began. This is how the foundation of the church that you and I are a part of started with revival, with the move of God, that no matter what the resistance was in front of them, they pers persevered through it. They were deliberate in their action that said, I will not relent. I will not stop no matter what comes against me, no matter how difficult it may be, no matter if we're misunderstood, no matter what stands in my way, the hunger in within them, the desperation within them drove them to say, God, I must have more. God, I must see people come to know you. God, I want to be a spokesman for you. God, I don't want to be silent any longer. I don't want to allow fear or worry or, or stress stop me from saying yes to you. But God, I give my life in surrender to you. And I believe that's what God wants to do in you today. See, before we can see corporate revival, there must first be personal revival. Before we can see revival come to a community, there must be revival coming to us as individuals. And I believe that God wants to come and move upon your life right now. That he wants to encounter you today. That many of you, maybe you've been in church for many years. You've heard many messages. You've heard a message like this. And you're like, this is the same old thing. Don't let this time be that same way. Say, no, I'm going to get desperate for Jesus. I'm not going to go through the motions any longer. I'm not going to create a casual, random approach to him but I'm gonna press through the crowd. I'm gonna push through the obstacles in front of me. Maybe you're, you're watching and you can identify with the woman, with the issues, with the being misunderstood and the hopelessness and the worry about tomorrow. I gotta tell you this today, that Jesus is your only answer. That every doctor, every individual can try to tell you that they have a way, but there is one way and his name is Jesus. He is your hope. He is your peace. He is life itself. He is your joy. If you've been in a habitual thing over and over and over and you feel like this is never going, I'm telling you that Jesus can come and stop the cycle today. But he's looking for people. He's asking, do you want it? Will you press through the crowd? Will you push through what's, what's in front of you today? Will you cry out and say, Jesus, I'm desperate for you. And we're going to worship in a moment. And I believe that as we begin to worship, many of you are going to begin to be touched by the Lord. I believe that God wants to come into your families, into your children, into your marriages, and he wants to touch you. He wants to fall upon your life and encounter you. And you might say, what does that look like? The good news is, is I don't know. You're going to begin to feel heat, maybe. You're going to begin to feel peace. You're going to feel joy. You might begin to cry. You might begin to laugh. You might begin to just find yourself lifting your hands or kneeling down. But something in you is going to begin to feel something different. It's going to be the Holy Spirit is going to fall, fall upon you. It's going to begin to come inside of you. And you're going to begin to encounter Jesus. I'm asking you, if you want that today, to maybe to begin to step out from wherever you're standing, to stand up, get out of your bed. Instead, get out up, out of your chair. And I want you to begin to ask the Lord to come upon you. I, I believe that the Lord wants to move upon this land. He wants to move upon this region, this north. Northwest region of Woodland, La Center, Richfield, Kalamba, Vancouver, Longview, Kelso, Battleground. And he's looking for people like you and like me that will say, God, I don't care what's in front of me. I'm going to keep pressing through the crowd. I'm going to keep pressing through the obstacles because God, I just want you. God, I'm desperate enough to say I will not stop until I see a move come to this city. I will not relent until I begin to see revival come to this land. And I'm asking you to join me to begin to intercede over this city, to begin to say, God, come. 
Start in me, Lord. Start in me. Start the fresh fire in me, God. This desperation and hungerness, hunger for you, God. Where every religious spirit, every ritual, every routine that I've become familiar with when it comes to the Lord would stop now. Would stop today. Fresh anointing, fresh fire of God. How easy it is to become familiar with Him. Familiar, routine, the same thing over and over. And I'm telling you today that God wants to come and bring fresh fire upon you. So would you do this with me? Would you stand up? Maybe just close your eyes. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to begin to sing this song. And I want you to begin to ask the Lord to stir your heart. I want you to begin to ask the Lord to come. Whatever situation you're facing, ask for the healer. Ask for the provider to come. Ask for the peace of God. Ask for the joy of the Lord. Holy Spirit, wherever anybody is. God, whatever they're facing, whatever obstacles might be in the way, God, I ask that you stir their hearts to press through the crowd, that you stir them, Lord, to say, God, I won't relent. God, I must have more. God, come into my situation. God, come and move upon my family. Come and touch my finances. God, come and touch these issues that I continue to have. God, I receive freedom today. I receive freedom today. I receive freedom today. Wherever you're at, just begin to say, Jesus, I receive what you have for me today. Holy Spirit, come and move. God, we want the fresh fire of God to fall. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Move upon the city. Move upon these families. Move upon us today. God, we're desperate for revival to come to this land. We're desperate for a move of God to come. Oh, we want you, Jesus. We want you, Jesus. Oh, come and stir fire in our hearts for more. Come and stir fire in our hearts for more, Jesus. Jesus light the burst fire. Come and be. Come on, begin to sing this. Press through. Don't feel awkward. Just continue to sing. Continue to, continue to worship. Just continue to ask the Lord to come. Whatever situation you're facing today, press through the crowd. Jesus, we're desperate for you. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come into my family. Come into my house. Come into my life. God, I'm tired of going my way. God, I must have you. Come, Lord. Come, Jesus, come.
who are feeling the Holy Spirit right now, all those who are feeling the peace of God, the fire of God that's falling upon them. Lord, I just ask for more, 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 Jesus, more, more. God, that we wouldn't be believers of random pursuit, but God, we would be marked by a hunger and a desperation for you. God, that wouldn't relent, that wouldn't stop. God, that we would be people, Father, who would continue to contend. God, that we wouldn't be silent believers. We'd be like a lighthouse on a hill, shining bright for all to see. Holy Spirit, start in us today. All we want is you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.